0: I would say it's right down the bottom. So it's when people have passed from awareness through interest and they're down at consideration, right? So they're they're really looking at you or your business to solve their problem. They're they're, they're really looking at you um, hard in terms of purchasing your product or engaging your services. And so you need to be doing everything you can at that point to get them to take the final step. And so a lot of that is around social proof. You know, testimonials, reviews, case studies, all of those kinds of things can really help tip people over the edge. But, you know, I like to go old school down right down in that part of the funnel. It's human. It's, it's human to human contact. It's conversational. It's picking up the phone. Um, it's having video chats, um, whatever it might be. You've got to int- really focus on that human connection because people buy from other people. You know, that's still how it works, even in the digital space.
1: Dream. Ending Small Business Failure. Welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with the number one small business expert, Melinda Emerson. Melinda's goal is to end small business failure and she'll give you the information you need to succeed and live the life you dream of. Now, here's your host, the Small Biz Chat Lady herself, Melinda Emerson. Hi
2: everybody, welcome to another edition of the Small Biz Chat Podcast. I'm Melinda Emerson, the small business lady, America's number one small business expert. And I am so excited to welcome you to another episode. We are going to be talking about sales lead gen. Oh my. Okay. So we're going to be talking about lots of tips and tools that are going to be beneficial to you as you try to build that all important sales engine in your business. Today, my guest is Darren Moffitt. He is the founder and chief nerd of Nerds of Business, and he is host of the Nerds of Business podcast. He is an award-winning business person who is passionate about entrepreneurship. He is a recognized leader in both the financial services and digital marketing industries with over 20 years of experience and has helped hundreds of businesses grow. He launched his first startup in 2006, and in 2012, he was the co-founder of a tech startup that they called sort of like the Facebook for neighbors. It was called HouseNet. The social network site was later awarded one of the top 100 innovation awards in Australia in the Smart 100 Index. Since 2014, Darren has been the Director of Digital Strategy and Content at webbuzz.com. So I am so excited to have you here today, Darren. If you guys want more information about him, head over to nerdsofbusiness.com. Darren, welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast.
0: Well, hi, Melinda. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm really, really excited to be here.
2: Oh, my gosh. I was so excited to talk to you, a, a fellow nerd of business. I love that, by the way. Um, so <laughs> so tell me your origin story. How did you become, uh, you know, an entrepreneurship guru?
0: Well, um, look, that is a very long story, and I know we've got limited time. So I'll give you the sort of uh, 60 second, very compressed version. Okay. Um, look, I would say that it actually started uh, in bands, in music. I used to play, uh, play in bands and rock bands uh, in Sydney, Australia, and I was kind of managing bands as well. And that's where I discovered my entrepreneurial bent. Um, I made a lot of mistakes along the way, had a lot of fun. Um, uh, but uh, from there, I. Um, you know went into i was in financial services as well as a day gig working in banking and so on and then i just spotted a an opportunity you know like i was working in equity release or reverse mortgages i think you have them over there in the states so sort of loans for people older people and uh i spotted a gap in the market sort of rather than being a lender in that space i could see an opportunity as a broker because there was many lenders and i launched a business called seniors first and um, that business is still going today 15 16 years later very successful And really, um, that's where I got into marketing and sales and I taught myself how to blog actually. I started blogging in 2008 and from there got quite good at digital and some other business started asking me to help them as well. So here we are in 2022 and um, I think, you know, I've generated uh, sort of well over 200,000 leads for for clients and myself uh, since since that uh, very inauspicious beginning.
2: Well, I want to go back to the two hundred thousand leads for people. That is no small feat, people. <laughs> so, so tell me, so tell me, how did you create the Nerds of Business? Like, what is that?
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's um that is actually a um a response to the stress of the pandemic. Um, I, I was uh, like a lot of people I was having a bit of a nervous breakdown and um. Uh, I, I really felt like I wanted to start a podcast and I felt like I had quite a lot, you know, I'd accumulated a fair bit of business knowledge and marketing expertise over the years. And I, I wanted to uh, find a, a medium to share it. And I just, I, I, you know, I came up with this concept of, of, of nerds of business. I thought it was pretty catchy. And so I launched a podcast in um, 2020 and we did the first series on branding. And then we did another series on product development. We went really, really nerdy on how to develop products and design products. Uh, then the most uh, most recent series was on the mindset of the entrepreneur, and now we're going into uh, lead generation. So yeah, we kind of tackle a theme each series, and and it's uh, it's designed to really educate uh, business owners and entrepreneurs with some of the best minds out there um, practicing in these particular fields.
2: Love it, love it, love it. So your your passion is really teaching people marketing and sales, right? So if you wanted to focus like have a small business focus on their sales where would you have them
0: start wow that's a big question um so look I think ultimately uh you know there's so many ways to sort of uh, come at that question but uh, the thing I would say is you've really got to be focused on the problem you're solving for your core target market um and start simple just focus on one problem Focus on one use case or one buyer persona is the technical um, term there, sort of one one sort of composite character of your target market. And and just get really good at that. You know, just understand that problem inside and out. Understand uh, how you can help solve that problem, what your core value proposition is, you know, really your point of difference. And you really want to get good at your elevator pitch. So when you're at a barbecue or a bar or a cafe or some sort of networking event, You've got to be really good at saying in 10, 15 seconds exactly who you help and what you do.
2: I agree with you. I I believe in that sort of like XYZ method. I do this for this group of people and we generate these kind of results. That's right. That's that's yes. it. That that's the pitch. So you say they've got to focus on their their one issue and their one target customer, right? So it's like their one thing they're fixing in their one target customer. So why do you think people so many small business owners struggle with marketing sales? It's like they know how to make their widgets, they might even know who their customer is. But they struggle with the actual marketing and sales end of it.
0: Yes, well, um, there's many reasons for that. But I'll nominate one big one. And I I think, they're not tapping into the, into their EQ. They're not tapping into their empathy, into their emotional t- intelligence, right? Because ultimately, sales and marketing is all about EQ. Putting yourself in the mindset of your customer, understanding their pain points, understanding their problems, their journey, and 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 really stripping your own ego out of it. You know, that's that comes down to, to really taking your ego out of it, which uh, can be a problem for some of us like me. Uh, whatever, but uh, you've got to you've got to get good at that. Um, but I think, to be fair to business owners, uh, it's not that they don't have the EQ in many cases or most cases, it's just that they're time poor. So they're too busy uh, it, and and they've got too many um, pots on the boil on the stove, so to speak, to use a cooking analogy. And it makes it difficult for them to just zone in, uh, and get a zen-like sort of calm presence and really focus on that customer need.
2: So... They're time poor. It's hard for them to focus
0: on their customer need. So what should they do? Well, um, you know, they, <laughs> they could read a book like your book. Uh, they, they could consult consult a, so, someone uh, very smart and, and experienced like like you and many, many other good consultants out there. But look, if you're a small business owner on a limited budget, um, what you can really do is just set aside some time every day just to read or to listen to podcasts or whatever it might be, get some great stimulus, some great input from other people out there who've, who've been on this journey longer, who are further down that path, and really um, teach yourself. You know, D, DIY. That I'm, I'm a big believer in DIY, and I think these days um, there's enough uh, there's enough tools, courses, uh, platforms out there where if you've got sufficient time and you can educate yourself you don't need to pay for expensive consultants. You can essentially do it yourself.
2: All right. So you just open up the door. Give me your top three, you know, internet marketing books. Who who wrote them?
0: <laughs> All right. Okay. That's, uh, it changes. But um, uh, the first one I like uh, for entrepreneurs and um, startups is called The Art of the Start by Guy Kawasaki. I know um, Guy very well. Yeah. You know, guy. Oh, wow. Okay, I've, I've never. I don't think I've spoken with someone that knows him personally. Um. So that book is just amazing for really. It's it's like a it's a, it's like a guidebook. You know, I I often, even after all these years, will just pick it up and, and look at a particular thing I might need a bit of help with. Um. So that's a great one for business people who are starting out in that early stage you know, journey. Um. The other one I like is is uh, Seth Godin's. Obviously, um, You know huge figure in in marketing and i'm a a huge fan of his and his podcast um he's got so many good books but the one that i i probably go to is uh well purple cow is a big one but his his most recent one is this is mark and he's also very good so seth godin um the other one purple cow
2: is actually my favorite seth Godin book too. by the way just sidebar it is
0: yeah i think that's the one that where he really kind of became more widely known you know he was obviously a, a real guru Before that, but that really took him over the top into the wider business community and the other one um, that I like is contagious so contagious is is around you know viral marketing and 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 how ideas spread and stuff like that so yeah there's my three.
2: All right, I love it I love it I it's interesting I was I wasn't sure what you were going to say, but I, I, I was familiar with all of those books so i'm glad to know that great minds think alike so um. When you think about the sales funnel, I think the sales funnel has been transformed as much as traditional marketing has been transformed. And um, I'm wondering what your thought is around what is the most important step in the sales funnel today?
0: Okay. So just to clarify, we're we're talking sales funnel as distinct from marketing funnel. Is that right? So
2: I use those two interchangeably. So I I think that if we're talking about brand awareness, consideration, sales, retention, um, advocacy, that's what I'm talking about when I talk about sales funnel. Mm
0: -hmm. Yep. Okay. Well, um, I mean, again it kind of depends where you're coming at it from like if if you're if you you want to get volume then the top of the funnel where you're getting more you know the quantum of people in like lots of people in coming into the funnel is the most important because um, assuming that all other steps of your funnel are working and converting at a reasonable rate that's just going to spit out more more sales at the bottom but that usually takes a pretty significant investment of ad spend or you know you've got to buy the traffic from somewhere um, so, in terms of um, the most valuable part of the funnel for small businesses, um, I would say it's right down the bottom. So it's when you, people have passed from awareness through interest and they're down at consideration, right? So they're they're really looking at you or your business to solve their problem. They're gonna they're, they're really looking at you um, hard in terms of purchasing your product or engaging your services, and so. You need to be doing everything you can at that point to get them to take the final step, and so a lot of that around uh, a lot of that is around social proof. Um, you know, testimonials, reviews, case studies, all of those kinds of things can really help tip people over the edge. But you know, I like to go old school down right down in that part of the funnel. It's 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 human. It's it's human to human contact. It's conversational. It's picking up the phone. Um, it's having video chats. Um, whatever it might be, you've got to int- really focus on that human connection uh, because people people buy from other people you know that's 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 still how it works even in the digital space.
2: I agree with you I think it just takes a little bit longer because if you meet somebody in person, what does it take about three to four contacts before you get to like you know okay I like this person I trust this person maybe they can do business with me but when you connect with somebody online, it's about what seven quality contacts up to about 30 before somebody really takes you seriously and really kind of wants to hear what you have to say and so you really kind of have to put that time in to really get to that like know and trust that you were just talking about Um, because i think it's harder online um, it is, it is.
0: But if I, here's a, here's a good hack. I can give your listeners and, and you probably already know this because you're doing it yourself. Um, but this is where podcasting is really powerful. So in my sort of agency business, if I'm um, corresponding, you know, I'm, I'm having meetings and chats with people that might be seeking to engage us um, as a service provider, I will often, you know, share links to various podcast episodes with that person and I find that, that really helps speed that process up because um, and particularly because we're doing a lot of B2B stuff in our podcast news to business, we've got some really good episodes focused on B2B. And when I share that, I find that, you know, podcast is such an intimate medium. They hear your voice, they get to know the way you speak, your intonation, and so on. And it really it, it accelerates that trust process. So there's a good little hack. If you're out there doing any podcasts, Use it at the bottom of the sales funnel because it really does help to build that personal connection.
2: You know, that's actually a tip I have never thought about. So you're actually on here educating me, Darren. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, look, I, I you know I do my best. Uh, I, I'm now on my second coffee, so maybe that's what it is.
2: <laughs> uh, all right. So tell me about. The top three things that small business owners should know about lead gen, about lead generation, and why
0: it's so important. Great. Well, look. um, Firstly, um, here's something that it took me a long time to learn, and I I really can't find anyone else out there talking about this particular thing. So I'm quite passionate about sharing this insight with people, and that is that going back to the sales funnel, right? So from awareness to interest to Consideration, and then finally to conversion as a lead. The biggest problem I see out there in uh, campaigns run by uh, agencies as well, but also business owners, is that they don't align all the different components of a, of a campaign with the stage of the funnel. So what I mean by that is that if you're doing lead generation online, you've got probably four components, right? You've got um, you've got your the ads, you've got the landing page, uh, you've got the hook, and you've got the story, right? And you and your offer you know, might be part of that with a lead magnet or whatever. You've got to align all those things to the same part of the sales funnel. So for instance, if you're going for people at the top of the funnel who are just barely problem aware, they're doing a bit of research, they want to get some knowledge, some information about this issue they're having, then everything should be aligned to that part of the funnel. So you shouldn't be asking, for instance, for like 10 questions on a web form at that point. It's too much. They don't know, right? Um, your lead magnet should, should be lighter. It should be more like a, an ebook or a checklist or something like that, right? But, you know, contrast that with down at the bottom of the funnel, someone who's already knows the problem, they, they're solution aware, they're actively looking at solutions. Well, then at that point, you can be more sophisticated. You know, you can ask for more data, on the web form, you can you can maybe you're offering a webinar there as 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 the lead magnet and so on. So that's the absolute biggest problem I see is that people are misaligning the different components of their campaign with the the stage of the funnel, and that that causes a lot of wasted ad spend, and and a low conversion rate, um, and that's very unhappy business owners.
2: I I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I think there is specific content you want at the top of the funnel, middle of the funnel and bottom of the funnel. You know, I mean, I just think, but, but I agree with you. I don't know that it's always aligned and it might be like too basic of content versus more specific content. And actually when it comes to my blog, we actually are very intentional about this. We write content Um, We publish content, um, fresh content for me four times a month. And so we're very intentional about focusing on two of the articles for more startup side hustle kind of audience. And then two of the articles are hardcore for like existing entrepreneurs that are trying to figure out how to grow, how to scale, you know, like like introducing some new technology that they're not familiar with. That would be way over the head of, of a more startup type business. So yeah. I, I we always think about that even in our in our blog content, because it's like we got to make sure that we're not losing somebody and that we have content that's relevant for, you know, at least two different segments that we target with our business.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: So should a business have multiple forms of lead gen activities going on at once?
0: Um. <laughs> Well, uh, again, I think it goes to um, the resources that the business has. I mean, my number one rule is to be realistic about your own resources. Like, you know, the resources are usually finite. You know, particularly in small business. Um, so, if 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 you're too stretched over too many different activities, you're just not going to do anything that well. Like, it's better to focus on on, in my view, um, fewer or less activities with regard to marketing or lead generation. Um, and, and do those really well rather than spread it too, too widely. But having said that, um, just to sort of fully answer your question, I think that the most effective lead generation campaigns are those that, that, you know, you have the primary funnel and then you've got the secondary funnel and you've got the stuff happening in the background. So, for instance, um, you you might be you know doing blogs or content marketing, but you're crazy, in my view, not to invest a time in content marketing and SEO and blogging and so on without also investing some dollars very, very minimal dollars in remarketing or retargeting, right? Because that's just going to give you massive bang bang for buck. And for people that don't know about retargeting, it's those ads that stalk you around the internet. You know, you 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 might be looking at a pair of shoes and you, you your child calls you away, you know, because they've spilt their drink and you come back 20 minutes later and you're on Facebook and there, there's that ad for that same pair of shoes that you didn't buy, right? That's that's retargeting, remarketing. And Pound per pound for pound or, well, hang on a minute, we're in, we're in America here, so I'll use dollar for dollar. Um, dollar for dollar, retargeting is like your best value advertising you'll ever spend, right? Um, it's, it's really, really cheap compared to other forms of advertising. So yeah, so I would say focus on doing fewer things really well, but when it comes to SEO and blogging and content marketing, definitely support that with retargeting.
2: I think that is brilliant, brilliant, brilliant advice. Um, now, in that same line of questioning, do you feel like lead gen is different for B2C businesses versus B2B businesses?
0: Yes, it is. Um, that's a great question. I love that question, Melinda. So um, there's been studies on this. B2B actually has a, um, a much higher trust threshold than B2C. Now, that sounds counterintuitive right you think oh consumers would be harder to gain the trust but it's actually that's not correct it's businesses by a factor of about five in in fact um businesses are harder to get the trust and the reason they're they're harder when you think about it it does make sense is that there's more at stake so you know if you stuff up uh the the marketing or sales funnel for a business that has really significant flow-on effects and that that affects their sales volume their revenue it can affect whether or not they can meet payroll pay their staff and so on right really really important whereas you know if, if someone a consumer doesn't like the widget that you're selling well okay they might complain on social media but it's 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 not the end of the world right. so so yes B, b2b has a much much hush, uh, higher trust barrier but here's where it gets really interesting the most effective b2b campaigns actually take the best elements of b2c that is they don't talk to businesses like other businesses they talk to businesses like humans like people so this is the real the real took me a while to learn this actually Um, this is the real um key insight is when you're doing b2b don't be boring don't be bland don't be corporate don't be talking to businesses like their organizations inject that humanity inject the fun inject the pathos in, in whatever it is that's how you engage people because ultimately at the end of the day, companies, businesses, ventures, and so on, they are just collectively groups of people.
2: Love it. Love it. All right. So what is the best way to track all this marketing activity? We're doing all this stuff. We're developing content. We're doing remarketing ads. Okay. What's the best way to track all this stuff?
0: Okay. Well, I thought no one would ever ask me that question. Melinda, you, you, you've asked me the question I've been waiting my whole life to be asked. Um <laughs> So so I'm going to get super nerdy on you now, right? Like I'm going to freak your listeners out. They're just going to go, God, this guy is so nerdy, right? We're going to talk about two types of data here, qualitative data and quantitative data, right? Um, So I'm sure you already know this, but for your listeners, I'll break it down, right? So quantitative data is the numbers, right? So that's your Google Analytics, that's your conversion rate, how many people are going, what percentage of people are converting through a particular part of your funnel or you know, becoming a lead on a web, or, right? That's your quantitative data. Your qualitative data is the why. And so this is, in, in many respects, much more interesting. It's like, well, why aren't people Clicking on that button. Why aren't people converting on that web form? Why aren't people sharing that bit of content? And to get your qualitative data, you use some other really cool tools. My favorite one is, is called Hotjar. So Hotjar is where you can actually um, it shows you heat mapping where so where people are clicking on the web page. And it also videos actual users going through your page. So you can see how people are interacting with your page content, with your web form and so on. And this is giving you the why question. So the, the Google Analytics is for is, is, you know, is, is all the numbers, you need that, really important, but it doesn't tell you why stuff is happening. The qualitative data with tools such as Hotjar does explain the why.
2: Love it, love it, love it. I think that's really important, what you just said. It's like, why are they or why aren't they? Both of those questions are worth investigating, it sounds right. like. So tell me something. What is the best, best business book that you've ever read to inspire you?
0: The best business book? Oh, right, wow. Um, the, the one I find most inspiring? Um Again, you know, geez, there's so many I could I could pluck out of the air there. But the one that immediately springs to mind is um, it starts with why. So um, by Simon Sinek, and, and you know, you're nodding. You know that book as well. Uh, it's a very famous book. Um, but what what that book does so well is that it clarifies your mission, your purpose, who you're serving, and why. And and ultimately, I think all business owners uh, need to have that clarity of purpose. If you if you know you know, A, if you know what you're doing, but more importantly, you know why you're doing it and who you're doing it for, then everything just becomes so much easier.
2: I I could not agree with you more. And tell me your favorite old school marketing hack.
0: Favorite old school marketing hack. Um, well, you are really you're putting me through my paces today, Melinda. I've got to say, I, I, I'm I'm working hard. There's I, I I might be looking like a swan, you know, gliding. Or I'm I'm actually not looking like a swan. A swan is graceful. I'm I'm the opposite of a swan. But if I was a a, a very daggy swan, there'd be a lot of furious paddling going under uh, underwater here. So um, old school marketing hack. Uh, let me um, let me say this: direct mail is not dead. Direct mail is not dead. So um, direct mail is, is still an incredibly powerful channel. It gets overlooked these days because of the, um, uh, the proliferation of digital with Facebook and Google and Instagram and TikTok and all the rest of it. But if you want to really cut through with an audience that is uh, saturated, you're suffering content saturation, direct mail can be a very good channel.
2: Excellent, excellent. And last question for you. What is the best business advice anyone has ever given you?
0: Okay. Well, that one is an easy one. I can answer that uh, in uh, no time at all. So in about 2005, when I was thinking about starting my own business, um, I, it was either I was going to start a business or I was going to put the money that I had into a property. So I was going to buy you know, an investment property or I was going to start a business. And a friend of mine uh, sat me down over a couple of drinks, and he had built up a substantial property portfolio. I think at that point he had about 10 or 12 um, properties. He's got a lot more now. And he gave me very counterintuitive advice. So I was leaning towards buying the property, and he said, don't do that. I said, why not? And he goes, you'll you'll always be limited by what you can achieve, the rate of growth you can achieve through through property. You're going to be limited by what the banks will lend you, by the rental yield, and so on. He said you're going to get much, much stronger, higher, faster, uh, longer growth by starting your own business and growing that like crazy. And that was the best piece of advice I've ever received because I took that to heart. and I thought, well, if this person here that is a bit of a property guru who's built up a little little yeah, you know, mini empire of of investment properties. If he's telling me not to go that way, but to actually start my own business, I, I need to listen to that. And so I did. And you know, now I've got you know, several businesses, and you know, a bunch of staff, and a lot of really good clients. And it was the best advice that I've ever received.
2: I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Darren Moffitt, the founder and chief nerd of Nerds of Business and the Nerds of Business podcast. If you guys want more information about him, head over to nerdsofbusiness.com. And I want to leave you all with this. You know, I'm Melinda Emerson, the small biz lady, and I will tell you that you never lose in business. Either you win or you learn. God bless everybody.
1: Thanks for listening to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with Melinda Emerson. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and join us next Wednesday for more fantastic information and interviews. You can find more sources and small business success strategies by visiting Melinda's website, succeedasyourownboss.com. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.